But that's not what this podcast is about. As much as we may want it to be, it's not technically a Sex and City fan cast. <laughs> we should make one of those. We probably should. I mean, I think most of our conversations are about Sex in the City. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, a, a, I'm not mad Not about insignificant it. proportion. <laughs> orgasms. So if that's not your thing, I suggest you put on a different podcast um, because that's what we're going to talk about today. No pressure. It could be your thing. You don't know. Um, We're going to do it in a funny way, in an honest way, in a way that I hope reduces some of the stigma around sex ed and masturbation and all of the awkward things that come with puberty and adolescence and the culture that we have that creates all of this stigma around sex, especially for young people. That's what we're going to talk about today. And since Coming of Age is by far the top-rated podcast about first orgasm experiences, and criticizing the American sex ed curriculum, we are going to get started today with talking about sex ed. Specifically, sex ed in churches. So, I'm going to start with the first question that I ask people, which is, tell me about your first orgasm. Tell me about your first orgasm. Do you remember your first orgasm? Tell me about your first orgasm. Oh my god. Okay, I actually do. I do definitely do remember it. This season, we are traveling from the Netherlands to the great Midwest of the United States of America. 
where people had some different takes on adolescent sexuality than the queer femmes of Amsterdam we spoke to in the previous episodes. This is for lots of reasons. It's because I spoke to people with different gender identities and sexualities and ages, but a lot of it has to do with the way American children learn about sex and bodies. In my interviews this season, when I asked questions about sex ed, I heard stories about religion and church, and that's what we're going to talk about today in part one of our second season of Coming of Age, Religion, Sex, and Shame. It definitely would have been helpful to know these things and not feel awful about them as a child. Yeah. That would be better than feeling awful about them. Can you imagine? Not feeling awful. If we taught children that they were okay? That would be ridiculous. The world would crumble. Then they might think they were okay. Then they might start acting like they were okay. Then they might they might hate themselves less. A little less? That's that's too much. You can't have children not hate themselves. That's because dangerous. Then then adults wouldn't be able to like criticize them a lot. Jesus wouldn't like that. No, definitely not. He had a lot to say about that. Yeah. Definitely something he touched on all the time. Was... Children should dislike themselves. <laughs> yeah, he definitely and others. mentioned masturbation lots in the Gospels. A whole bunch. Yeah. Had lots of opinions on the matter. <laughs> oh boy. What? I'm just remembering this now. Oh my god, great. That's and... my favorite kind of time during an interview. And, so and it was like an that. overnight camp type thing yeah. that you went to. Overnight sex camp. Overnight sex camp. You went to overnight sex camps at church all the time. <laughs> this wasn't the church that I went to. It was just the church that my dad worked at because we were far away and we mm. would go to Crossroads Church, mm. whereas this was at the Vineyard Church, which was north in like Tri-County or something. And um, yeah, it was like a seventh graders, eighth graders, maybe it was like a middle schoolers. Uh, girls and guys would come together, although they were mostly separated. I think, like, like there were a few times where they came together, but it was mostly like guys and then girls, and then mm. at the end they sort of came together. Interesting. Yes. What did they tell you? It was a bunch of sex camp stuff. Oh, they told me all, all the things you would you would expect. I need you to be more specific than that. Oh, um, I'm trying to think. I mostly felt very awkward there, and I was like, eh, uh, I mostly felt weird and didn't talk at all. Yeah. It was strange. I can picture that. But, I mean, they said all the things you would expect. Like, we went into an auditorium, and they were like, abstinence is the best way to prevent sexually transmitted illnesses and pregnancies, is what they said. Like, they told you, like, The original oh. STI. I uh, mean, they brought up, baby like... Baby human. Yeah, the baby human STI. Mm-hmm. It's like a xenomorph, but it's planned. I, I do remember that they passed around index cards, and they were like, write down any questions you're too embarrassed to ask on these index cards. And they took them up to the front, and they answered a bunch of them. I don't remember what any of them were. And I feel like they mentioned masturbation for the first time, and I was like, that's what that was. And I, that was the first time I realized what, what had happened. But then. you had been doing it for like two or at least a year a couple like two of years. years. Yeah. Yeah. At least two or three years. At that years. point, and you were just I, like, I hope I'm not fucking dying. I know. That's what I thought. I was like, is this going to kill me? <laughs> What's going on? I wasn't sure. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized, oh, hmm. I think somebody wrote it on a card and it went up. And that's why they said, mas- it was like, is masturbation bad or something? What they wrote on a card. Mm. And 
I think what they said was to the effect of like, oh, I don't think it's inherently bad, but it depends on what you're thinking about. I think is what they mm. said. I think that's what they said. I think they were like, are you thinking about things that would make that would that would make God happy or not? I think that's <laughs> what they put it in the context of. I think that's what it was. I can't re- I can't remember, but I think that's that's what it was to the effect of. I think that's how they put it. I think they said, uh, I don't think they said masturbation is good. I think they said, well, masturbation isn't isn't necessarily inherently bad. It depends on what you're thinking about. And is that something God would be happy with? I think that's what they said. Interesting. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know if I like th- think these sexually, these like ideologically sort of more conservative sexual things, like because I think them or because I like uh, am just like bad at navigating this sort of social space. Like where, you know, like I'm just like bad, you know, bad at being promiscuous or like I think that I'm like not desirable. And so like entering into the space, you know, um, so whether it's motivated by like a, um, I can't think of the way to put it. Um, some kind of weird ego thing, you know, some kind of like, this is threatening to me, like personally. Um, but it was for a long time, it was really just like, like I didn't, like that was definitely a piece of it, but I like just didn't know. Uh, so it's hard to like suss out. Uh, like, I don't know, when you believe a thing, often it's hard to suss out why you really believe the thing. Because I think, like, our the things we believe are often compromised by sort of, like, personal um, needing to view the world a certain way in order to, like, preserve our sense of selves and self-value. stuck tape to your arm and we're like we're gonna yank this off of you and see how the tape gets less sticky each time that's you and intimacy is that so you know how you can only have one friend yeah (laughs) and you can only talk to that one friend one time yeah or maybe twice intimacy goes yeah yeah intimacy is a is a like a non-renewable resource and your intimacy has been used yeah and then you're but no to, to their credit, they put the tape on both the boys and the girls, not just the girls. So that was going to be like my question. Ten percent yeah. better. Sure. I didn't know about any of the. Um, well, I mean, I knew about it from like pop culture and movies and like the way we would talk to each other and stuff. But via my sex ed class, I was never taught that women aren't allowed to be sluts any more than men. I was mm. taught that via my my church, mm. but I was not taught that. Well, I don't remember if explicitly by my church, but again, general cultural. Zeitgeist taught me that, but sex ed class did not. Yeah, so they were just equal opportunity, keep it in your pants. I mean, speaking to that, like, one of the, like, core memories, I feel like, that made me, like, so, like, subconsciously averse to, like, sexual pleasure was in middle school, I think. Like, the one of the big churches in town did this program, which maybe I've told you about this before, but, um, and they gave all these girls a box of marbles and each marble was assigned to a different thing. So it would be like something ridiculously lame, like front hugging a guy or like holding his hand. And then it would go to like kissing 
but it was like girl I think it went all the way up to like sex or maybe sex before marriage or something like that something like especially cryptic but the idea was that every time you did one of these things you had to throw away a marble so then these girls were like talking about how many marbles they had left and it's like it's so tragic because like it's literally like they're being told like here's your value like in a little box like throw it away as you like begin to explore like your sexuality or like god forbid like literally god forbid like you get any pleasure out of it <laughs> like it i mean it's just ugh. it's so it's so negative that's like of course like even if like me being younger and being like oh well i'm not interested in like marbles <laughs> like that doesn't really matter to me like just hearing that and being like oh like even if i don't think that about myself like other people will think that so it's like of course you internalize this bit like oh this stuff is dirty. Like this stuff is wrong. Like I shouldn't be proud of this or I can embrace it. In, I guess, junior high, I was, you know, quote unquote dating. Like it just meant nothing then. <laughs> I was like, dating this like older guy. And he was like, Hey, like I want to like finger you and eat you out. And I was like, I have n- literally never heard that before. And I don't know what that means. Like none of my friends know what it means. Cause like they've all got their marbles they're worried about. <laughs> I'm like, carrying what? around these treasure marbles, and I'm sure that's a few marbles you're talking yeah, about. Like, whatever it is, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't so sound like, like a no marble kind of. Exactly. Thing. So I googled it, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> why would you want to do that? <laughs> that sounds crazy." So true. I mean, like, like when that guy was like, "Oh, you're so hard to please." It's like part of me is like, "Haha, compliment." Like, I'm so like in control of the situation, but then part of me is like whoa, like, I'm no fun. Like, I'm not, like, a good sexual partner because, like, I'm not, like, offering that feedback. Uh, yeah, so it's hitting me on both sides of, like, our double bind. It's like, well, we want girls to be the sexual gatekeepers because we don't think boys are capable or we don't care about them being capable about, like, gatekeeping their own, like, impulses. And we want girls to not have any impulses and just be like the gatekeepers of sexuality yeah. and keep themselves safe or whatever. And we want girls to be absolutely the most sexual beings, like yep. just <laughs> completely focused on the pleasure of their partner and embody that idea of culturally constructed sexiness in such an intense way. And part of that means like being very easy to please. Like, yeah. not needing any maintenance whatsoever to have the best time possible. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't fucking win, now can you? Like, yeah, because it's like, it, like, an orgasm is, like, a reflection of their sexual prowess. You know, we were talking about, like, the expectation for men in bed is, like, power and stamina and dominance. So it's like, oh, you made her come? Like, it's Absolutely. not like... Even if, as an adult, you undergo a journey of unlearning the sex negativity that you inherited as a child. You're still living in the world that taught you that you were a jar of marbles, or that your intimacy was like a piece of tape that it could be used only a finite number of times. And even if you decide to consciously shift your understanding of your own sexuality, it's really hard to unlearn the idea that to some people you are marbles and you are tape, and even worse things that people have said in metaphors.
if that's kind of the only type of message, and then kind of the reactionary message is like, sex is this thing where you feel powerful and confident and it's pleasurable all the time. And when you are having sex, you're reclaiming your power as like a feminist. And isn't this the most intense, beautiful, excellent thing you've ever felt? Like, yeah, how fucked up must you be? If you're not having an amazing time and yeah. <laughs> having so much sex with so many people and like, that's not better. <laughs> that, that really is so true. Like, that's something I thought a lot about too is like, whoa, like, am I not like having enough sex? Like, should I be having more one night stands to like own my sexuality? Like, so I'd be doing this even like if I'm not like super into it because like it shouldn't matter to me anyway like it's just sex so it's like it's like over corrections like both ways and it's it's so hard to navigate and I mean I'm a human sexuality major kind of like that's completely I've been traveling on the reactionary side of that like all of my college and I have a completely been that shitty person like to others and to myself definitely because like I'm 21 I have had sex with one person and that feels weird to be like I'm inhabiting this identity as like this sex positive feminist person and like behaving in a way that like a lot of very sexually conservative people would kind of approve of. I mean, not like activities, but like <laughs> outward activities. <laughs> I mean, that's like really the crux of it though, right? Like, like sex positive is like, oh, like you're pro-sex all the time with anybody, like you never stop. Like it's, and then sex negative is like, you never want to have sex with anybody ever. And it's like, well, probably sex positive means like letting people make the choices that like, feel right to them but then of course there's like complications right whenever it's like some people like are never given the opportunity to explore that so it's like what feels you know quote unquote right to them is like an indoctrination to what like is wrong which like for me I feel like that's sort of I don't know part of like what was happening in high school but yeah I mean you're still coming at it from a stance like you're still saying like well, the right way to be is to explore all of these options and then find out what feels good to you rather than saying, like, what feels good to you is having sex with the person you're married to to have a baby. And, I mean, that's the thing. It's, like, from my perspective, that can't possibly feel, like, fulfilling and good all the time. But do I feel fulfilled and good all the time from the type of sex an attitude towards sex that I have. I don't know. Yeah, that's so fair. So that's part one of our Cincinnati series. Our next episode will be out in a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I don't mean two years. I mean like a week. So don't worry about that. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Coming of Age Pod and on Patreon at patreon.com slash coming of age. 
on Patreon, you can access all of the episodes, but you can also check out some of our Patreon tiers. Um, some great perks include access to the community, C-U-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y community, which is the Patreon-only chat room, Um, suggestions and polls, early access to episodes, live Q&As, exclusive episode commentary, a shout-out at the end of an episode, and a coming-of-age sticker, which is our album art, but in a sticker form. It's gorgeous. I designed it myself. It would be just so amazing to hear from people who have enjoyed the show, and if you are able in any way to financially support the show, it would mean so much to me that people value it in their lives, and it would really help me make more, so consider checking that out. I want to thank lots of people for making this possible. Timothy Fox for original music, Caleb Smiley with editorial help, and access to Adobe Audition. The amazing participants who were so vulnerable and honest with me about their beautiful, interesting lives. I am so honored that you felt comfortable sharing these stories with me and allowing me to share them with the world and the literally dozen listeners of Coming of Age. If you have a story you'd like to share, you can DM me at any of the social media places I already listed, or you can email your story or a voice message to comingofagepod at gmail.com. They had Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart Wii on the TVs, though. And I played that, I think. That Sounds was like fun. a great time. I enjoyed that part. Sex and Mario I didn't Kart. enjoy that weekend. It wasn't fun. Sex and Mario Kart. <laughs> it was more like Mario Kart and abstinence. <laughs> mm. Netflix or... and chill. Mario Kart and abstinence. <laughs>